0: Loves us just as we are, a God who gives peace. All we have to do is be open to it. I'm so thankful for your presence tonight, so thankful for your Holy Spirit at work in this place. God, we just invite you to continue to move uh, as we fellowship together. In your name we pray, Amen.
1: Seated, woo! Thank you, that was awesome. I could just worship all night. You guys are incredible. Thank you so much. Um, As Mary said earlier, my name is Paula Lapata, and I get the honor of helping lead women's ministry here at the chapel. And I've been excited about tonight for a lot of reasons, and especially the topic of being emotionally healthy and whole. And there was no mistake that I was going to be the one to give this message, and that is not because I have it all together in this department. It's probably because I don't have it all together in this department. And so God knew he had to take me through this before I could teach it to you guys. It was probably about five years ago that um, I was in a Bible study with Mary Manuela, and we started digging into this book called Unglued by Lisa Turkhurst. Any Lisa Turkhurst fans out there? She's amazing. She's amazing. I love all her books, but I especially love Unglued. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that later. But it was then in the peak of my motherhood where I started realizing, wow, I struggle with my emotions. And there's nothing more mm, trying than God giving me four very spirited little children. (laughs) One who is in the back, so I have to be careful with what I say. But in a very spirited husband. Um who's very passionate? And so we have a very passionate home. And so marriage, motherhood kind of striked a lot of chords in my heart when it came to emotions. And I just want to say right up front, tonight is about my my part, at least, my message at least is about general emotions you may feel on a day to day basis. some triggers that might strike you in a certain way that would make you maybe want to react in your emotions. Later on after I'm done, Tammy Brenton, a very dear friend of mine, is going to come up and she's going to share what emotions look like in her grief journey after losing her daughter three years ago. So you're going to see my perspective, you're going to see Tammy's perspective, but if you have deeper rooted emotional struggles or mental struggles, and what we have to offer tonight is maybe not deep enough for you or helpful enough for you, we totally recognize that there are people out there, there are professionals that maybe you need to seek in your own personal life or walk with God to walk you further through that. So like I said, I feel like it has taken motherhood to really unearth some of my emotional imbalance and emotional unhealthiness in my life. And I was reminded of that a couple months ago when my family went on a little vacation over Christmas break with some great family friends. We were gifted a cabin in Michigan. We went, it was amazing. I was like on an emotional high of love for my family, patience with my kids, love and patience for my husband. And we were about to leave this trip to go back home to reality. So that's kind of messing with my emotions. And so before we left, I did a look on uh, the directions home and i noticed that off of one of the exits was going to be an outlet mall i thought wow this is divine intervention i think it is right off the exit i am not very good with directions so i i thought maybe i'll just bounce it off eric see if this is something we could do and to my surprise he actually said yes so i am like this is the best day of my life in my mind, I'm like, Eric is gonna take care of all of the kids while I just shop around this huge outlet mall. I'm not sure what he had in mind. I later found out, I think he was really thinking the trade-off was that we were gonna go out to eat afterwards so he could hang tight through the mall. So we get off the exit, we um, go to this mall, and I noticed, Eric's like, there it is, and it's like this miniature one-strip outlet mall. And I thought, well, that's bizarre. I mean, COVID has done really weird things in our economy, and so maybe everything else got shut down, and so I'm like, that's all right. We go to a few stores. Eric has a few kids. One of the kids is, like, off the hook emotionally because he hasn't slept for this vacation out of excitement. So I go to the Pepperidge Farm store. I bought an excessive amount of uh, goldfish for my children. They were very excited about that. We go to another store, and then I finally land on this last store. And honestly, I was kind of disappointed because there was not much at this outlet mall. And I have the one child in my hand who was emotionally overdone. He sees a gold and silver huge chain necklace that he wants. I said no. I just didn't think it was really his style. And so, and I wasn't going to spend the money on that. Uh, And so, he's mad at me. I'm holding his hand and I'm thinking, man, what a disappointment. We got to go back home now. I didn't like hit all these deals. And so we're about to exit this uh, doorway to this last store, and I see to my right that there is a stand with a huge hand sanitizer pump on it. So it's like a a gallon size, maybe from Sam's Club or something. So I'm holding one of my children's hands, and I push the pump down, thinking I'm just going to sanitize my hands, move on with the day. And I pump it, and instead of pumping down on my hands... It pumped straight up to my face, and not just anywhere. I am not kidding. It went directly up my right nostril. I can't even believe I'm telling this. My daughter was like, you're going to tell that? That's so embarrassing. There was hardly any residue on my face other than just one little drip under my right nostril. It goes all the way up into my nasal cavity. I am like plugged and I am ticked off. Like what store would have this sanitizer pump that's defective? Well, I look down, I'm mad, gold chain boy is mad. And I'm like, there's a gob of gunk on the sanitizer, which is blocking it and making it shoot straight up. So I get in the car, Eric's like, whoa, you know, he can tell that I'm visibly mad. He's like, so what's wrong? And I'm like, I just got sanitizer up my nose. And Eric's like, oh. He's like, oh, trying to be sensitive. He's like, how did that happen? You know. And I am like so annoyed that he cannot figure out how I got hand sanitizer on my nose. And I'm like, I don't know, the pump. It pumped up my nose. And so he's like, like where, are you? where were you with the sanitizer? And I'm like, it's not the time to ask me questions about this. And I'm really annoyed, and I'm telling him, Everything about the gold chain and da-da-da. And then Eric's like, oh, I'm sorry about the sanitizer up your nose. And then he says, all right, let's just go to lunch. And everybody, I'm going to tell you where we're going to go to lunch. We're going to beat ups. And one of the children, the gold chain boy, was like, yes, I love wings. Other one's like, I hate those wings. I wanted chicken nuggets. And it was just a nightmare. So next thing I know, Eric's pulling into Sonic. Our kids see Sonic and they see slushies. So we're at the drive-thru. Eric doesn't consult me about, I didn't even really realize that Sonic had food other than slushies. So he's like, well, I don't know. And so we're getting at each other. We're irritated. And he just ends up ordering some kids' meals for the kids. The kids get it. We go to a gas station. He says, Everybody get out and we're going to the bathroom because we're going to hit the road, eat our sonic, and we're going to be happy and we're going to go home. So we're in the bathroom. I'm in the bathroom. One of my children has a little accident. I always bring backup underwear in my purse. I change the underwear. I come out, and Eric is like, oh, my goodness, you're never going to believe what just happened. And I was like, I might. I just got sanitizer on my nose. And uh, I'm thinking, top the sanitizer. And he's like the nicest woman I've ever met in my life. Was behind the register and she overhears our one child who happened to be the gold chain child say I really really want this energy drink and she says oh oh, I would love to buy you an energy drink and Eric was like no that's okay because like my other son would want an energy drink so and she's like that's okay I will buy him an energy drink too and Eric is acting like this is a blessing, and I'm thinking this is a curse, and we are on candid camera. He goes, don't worry about it. I got the sugar-free. And I'm like, great, sugar-free. So we get in the car. He's like, don't worry about it. I told the boys, hide the, the energy drinks in the back backseat. So don't tell the girls about it because the girls sit in the middle. And so they're drinking on the way home. By the way, Eric always gives all of our children Dramamine because one of them is Um, prone to car sickness, but then he kind of hopes that the other three will just kind of take a snooze and we can have some peace. Nobody slept. (laughs) They were high on energy drinks, slushies. We took a lot of bathroom stops. Our emotions were off the hook. I was super irritated, and we could not get home fast enough. You know, after a situation like that, I can think to myself, I hate emotions. They stink. My kids are off the hook. I'm off the hook. Eric and I are irritated with our own emotions towards each other. But I have to remind myself, emotions are not bad. Emotions are good. And maybe some of you out there are thinking, I'm overly emotional. Some of you are thinking, I hate emotions, or I was told not to cry as a child or in a relationship with a husband. Emotions are good. God gave us emotions. We are created in God's image, so that means that we are made with emotions, and that reflects God. If we were not given the ability to love or show that love or these positive emotions, we wouldn't be able to love God with all our hearts, our soul, our strength, our mind, and love our neighbors as ourselves. Emotions are good. And it even says in Ecclesiastes 3, 4, there's a time for everything, and that includes emotions. There's a time to laugh, there's a time to weep, there's a time to dance, and there's a time to mourn and we're laughing right now, later we may be crying, we go, as women, we go across the spectrum of emotions. And there's no one better than Jesus Christ to show us that emotions are okay. Because Jesus himself had emotions. He was just the perfect person. So he handles his emotions well. And I'm in a Bible study on the book of Mark with some women around my age on Sunday afternoons, and we are looking through the gospel of Mark, and we're seeing Jesus. And I love it because this last Sunday, one of the girls was like, did you guys notice that Jesus gets mad? Jesus gets mad. He shows anger. He also experiences deep love and compassion for people. And he experiences grief. In the first chapter of Mark, we see a man with leprosy, this terrible skin disease. He falls down before Jesus, and he says, I know that you can heal me. Will you heal me? And Jesus looks at him with deep compassion. He touches the untouchable guy, and he says, you're healed. He's overtaken with compassion. We also see Jesus shows emotions. He cries. He finds out that his friend Lazarus dies. And Lazarus' um, sisters, Mary and Martha, come to him. Mary says, Jesus, if only you had been there when our brother died, maybe he wouldn't have died. They're weeping. Their friends are weeping. And the shortest verse in the Bible says, Jesus wept. He could have said, guys, don't worry about it. Like, I'm the king of the universe. I'm actually going to bring Lazarus back to life. But he weeps. He shows tenderness, empathy, and he shows us that it is okay to cry. He gives us that allowance. This reminds me of a time in my life, super hard, and it ties to Tammy and Matt Brenton and their amazing daughter, Maddie. I will never forget, Maddie was a student of ours. She grew up. She uh, became a close friend of mine, and I deeply loved Maddie. She was 25 years old when she went to be with Jesus, had lots of complications with her lungs, a double lung transplant. And I'll never forget when Tammy and Matt invited Eric and I to come into her hospice room. And say our goodbye to her. And I walked in the room and I see Maddie. And I'm thinking about her two little kids who stayed the night at my house the night that their mama went to meet Jesus. And I'm sitting there across from Maddie. And I'm talking to her and she's struggling because she can't say much. She can't do much. She's starting to shut down. And I'm saying, Maddie, I love you. And I'm trying not to cry. I'm trying to be strong. And I'm saying, I'm going to pray for your babies till the day I die. And I'm holding these tears back because I think I just have to be strong. And Maddie's dad, Matt, was across the room giving us our space, and he notices me, and he comes right over to me, and he looks me straight in the eye, this big, godly man, and he says to me, Paula, it's okay to cry. This is hard. And with that, every time I think of that, I can't not cry Matt gave me allowance to cry because Jesus gives us allowance to cry. It's in our cries that sometimes we give moans to God that the Holy Spirit interprets for us in words that we just can't get out because we're so grief-filled. We're still heartbroken. Those are some of the closest times with the Lord because he's close to the brokenhearted. And Jesus also showed anger. He got so ticked off at the religious people of his day he was so annoyed with the fact that they were always trying to catch him and things he was doing wrong. And he would flat out tell them, You're wrong, and here's why. Jesus had emotions, and it's okay for us to have emotions too. Uh, Jesus was perfect, so he handled his emotions well. We are broken and sinful women, so we don't always handle our emotions well. Some of us are overboard. We're like overindulgent in our emotions. And some of us are maybe what I've even heard it said, emotionally anorexic, where we just won't show our emotions. And plenty of us are somewhere in the middle. And this is where I love Lisa Turker's book. Lisa breaks it down. And she said, we have natural tendencies in our humanness. Some of us are exploders and some of us are stuffers. Some of us are exploders, and you'll see that on your sheet of paper that you were given at the beginning of the night. Some of us are exploders who shame ourselves. We do knee-jerk reactions when we're in the midst of raw emotions, and we explode on our people, on our kids, on our husbands, on our friends and coworkers, and then we shame ourselves like, what was I thinking? Some of us are exploders who blame others, like I could have blamed everybody on the way home from my vacation for why I felt the way that I did. It's their fault that I'm exploding in my emotions. And on the other end of the spectrum, you have the stuffers. Some of us are stuffers who build barriers in our relationships where we'll feel something, we'll push it down, and then we won't talk about it. But other people can feel something weird, and then relationships break down because we aren't just open about it. We just want to push it under the rug. Or maybe we're stuffers who act like we're okay on the outside keep a smile but on the inside we are just gathering all these retaliation rocks so that when eventually we're at the point where we cannot stuff anymore that all these things that we've been building up inside we can just stone the other person with 10 years worth of all the things that we cannot stand about them and we just go off on them you've experienced this I'm sure I don't know about you but Wherever you fall on this spectrum, I'm sure you're thinking in your mind, or maybe you're thinking about someone else in your life and where they stand, but I would just challenge you to think about where do you stand. And it's not that we can't have emotions. It's do our emotions control us? Who's in the driver's seat of our life? Is it our emotions? Are we a slave to our emotions just following this roller coaster, going wherever our emotions go? Or is God controlling us? emotions? Is God controlling our life even when we're in the heat of raw emotions? There's a battle going on in our souls on a daily basis, and it's the battle between the flesh and the spirit. And some of you are like, okay, you lost me there. What's the flesh and the spirit? The flesh is basically our sin nature and how we just naturally tend to not want to do good things. We naturally want to react by either exploding, doing something hurtful, saying something hurtful, or shoving down our emotions. That's our natural bend. But in the Spirit, see, we have the Spirit in us if we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior. We have the Spirit. Jesus said, when I leave this earth, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to give you somebody, something to help you, a Spirit, the Holy Spirit. I will give you the Holy Spirit to guide you. And so as Christians, the encouragement is to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh, especially in terms of emotions. And if you look down at your paper, you'll see in um, Galatians, we're going to talk about the fruit of the spirit and the flesh and the spirit. And I just want you to read that with me. Because I think these verses are super eye-opening when it comes to our emotions. So I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the spirit, spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law, the law of the Old Testament, because you're going to walk in the Spirit, which fulfills the law of the Old Testament. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, which is like heavy partying, drinking, sexual misconduct idolatry, worshiping anything but God, and witchcraft, hatred, these are the deeper ones, the non-obvious works of the flesh, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before, this is Paul speaking to the Galatians, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong in Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. I don't know about you, and maybe you're not aware of this, but on a daily basis I feel a battle between the flesh and the Spirit. And when it comes to emotions, I want to react. Act in the flesh instead of gently, calmly responding in the spirit. There's a difference between reaction and response. Reacting in the flesh when you are an exploder would look like somebody makes you mad. Your children pushes push you to the point where you just explode. Say things that maybe feel good in the minute. Tell somebody off. Get it off your chest but then maybe you blame yourself or shame yourself later, blame your, your family and friends. And you would react with fits of rage if you see that in the works of the f- flesh. Or if you are a somebody who implodes or somebody who just wants to react in the flesh when you are more quiet about that, and you stuff things down, you would let seeds of bitterness and resentment and dissension in the factions of your heart build up and maybe help you create some rock piles, rocks of retaliation to chuck at people when you finally do explode. That's what it looks like when you live in the flesh and your emotions. But when you live in the spirit in your emotions, an exploder would try best they could, to be spirit-controlled. They would be quicker to slow down and respond with self-control, and out of their mouth would come more fruits of the Spirit, peace, kindness, gentleness, self-control. I love what Lisa Turker says about self-control. She calls it holy restraint. I don't know about you guys. I, I guess... I'm pretty confident most people right now are guessing what my natural bend is. Anybody think I'm a stuffer here? (laughs) Eric, do you think I'm a stuffer? Uh, No, I'm at home. I can be an exploder, and I'm working super hard on self-control. Out in, in the workplace with my friends and family outside of the home, I can have tendencies to stuff because I'm afraid of what people think, or I've tried to express myself. And it didn't go over well. And you can be like that in all of your relationships. It can change uh, with different relationships. But when it comes to the self-control for an exploder, they would have holy restraint. Or in other definitions, it's constraint. Where you let the spirit control you instead of your emotions control you. And this is where it's hardest, is when you're angry. It's hard to have self-control when you're angry. When somebody else is heightened in their emotions in the workplace or your daughters or your kids are pushing your buttons, it's easy to stand up here and say, just have self-control. But then this morning when you're in the shower like I was and everybody came up screaming their heads off, I want to just blow a gasket on everybody. But you just have to have that holy restraint and it takes the power of Jesus Christ. It is not power that you have. It's a supernatural power outside of you. That's when you need to practice the pause as I've heard it said, step away from the situation, regroup, get underneath your anger, and then come back to a situation with other people when you're in a neutral place of emotions instead of just engaging when you're on fire with rage or struggle or anger or grief or sadness, whatever it may be. And for the stuffer, what it looks like to walk in the spirit is to figure out what is behind those emotions that you feel. Lisa Turker says, emotions or feelings, they're indicators, not dictators or directors. Instead of just being dictated by these emotions, the indication light is going off. Something's underneath it. I feel frustrated. I feel resentful. I feel disappointed or bitter or confused, why do you feel that way? Get underneath that and then ask God to give you the strength to actually address that with someone else. Or if it's more something like grief that feels like fear, that you, it's not about somebody else or it's about somebody that you lost, maybe that means getting with somebody that you can confide in, who's safe, who's Christ-centered, who will help you talk it out. Because as stuffers, if you just stuff and stuff and stuff, It'll just keep rising up and rising up, and you'll never be healthy. And your relationships are not healthy. They die because you're not talking about things. Things are not open. And this is where a stuffer would ask God, help me become more real and authentic and transparent in my relationships. That creates healthiness. So now as we go forward and we try to be healthy and walk in the Spirit when it comes to our emotions— There are lots of people around us that are going to push our buttons. There are people in our lives who are not going to be walking in the spirit, in their emotions. And it would be so easy to just jump on their emotional roller coaster and ride it with them. When the kid comes home and is yelling, it's our natural bend, our natural fleshly reaction to just start yelling too. We used to joke early on in our parenthood. I would Eric would come home, and I would, he would walk through the door, and I'd be yelling. He didn't know what was going on, so he'd just start yelling. And it was just very chaotic. And I would say, somebody has to be in control here. Like, everybody's out of control. Somebody needs to be on steady ground. And so we work, we're working really hard at that. Don't come over unannounced, because <laughs> you don't know what you're going to find out. Give us a text on the way or something so we can get it together. But... Um, So I would just remind you of a few things. When the world around you, when the people around you feel out of control, you can remain in control when other people are out of control. You can stay calm when other people are in chaos. You can do it because if you walk in the Spirit, you have the power of the Holy Spirit in you, that supernatural, superhuman God power in you. This is a masterful art if you can get this down. I grew up with a mother who was very steady. She's here today. My mom, while we would be driving in the car and arguing in the back seat, there were four kids, we'd be arguing, and instead of screaming at us, she would just turn up the radio a little bit. And that really annoyed me. I'd be like, ah! We can't even get arguments in over this music. A few times, I tried to run away from home. I got really mad at my mom. She was doing the dishes at the kitchen sink, looking out the window. And I declared to her, I'm running away. She st- stood there calmly, continuing to wash the dishes and said, Okay. And I ran away to didn't even make it to the neighbors. I thought she didn't hear me, went back in at least three more times, <laughs> made it louder. I am running away now. She just said, That's okay. <laughs> My mom has mastered that because she had four spirited children, and at times a spirited husband with a stressful job. And so those people in your life that are emotionally charged, and you just want to be like, Lord Jesus in heaven, you gave these people to me. I am working with these people. Remove them. They might be the greatest practice in your whole life for becoming emotionally steady while they're not. It is a masterful art. And I just want to close before Tammy and uh, Mary come up here. I just want to say it's not about perfection. I'm a Uh, Recovering Perfectionist I'm not sure I'm in recovery yet, but I'm gonna get there And I just think I got to get this right all the time But as Lisa Turker says in her book It's about imperfect progress It's about progressing forward, two steps forward, one step back But you're still a step ahead In our house, we mess up a lot And our kids are very familiar with this saying I'm sorry, I was wrong Will you forgive me? Can we start over? And remember that gold chain boy I talked to you about at the beginning of this message? He's so emotionally wired, and he is amazing, and he loves Jesus like nobody I know at his age, and that boy gets grace. Why? Because he messes up emotionally, and he has to restart. And he said to me and Eric the other day, he overheard us talking, and he said, did you know that every day that you wake up, it's a fresh start? You get to start over. Do you know that people don't know that? And I said, wow, you're right. I have a lot to learn from him. He gets grace because he needs grace. I need grace. We can say, sorry, I messed up. Will you forgive me? And I just want to close, and Tammy and um, Mary can come up here. I just want you to look down at your paper. There are a few questions. Maybe just put it up in your bathroom, or if you're feeling really emotionally charged, take a look at these questions. Who or what or who controls you? your fleshly, raw emotions, or the Spirit of God? Will you choose to gently respond and not impulsively react in the heat of emotions? Will you remain in control when others are out of control? Will you stay calm instead of entering the chaos of someone else's emotions? My charge to you guys is to take your emotions to the Lord and let him be in charge of where he wants to take you through those emotions. He set the example for us. So I'm going to close us in prayer, and I'm excited to hear from Tammy and Mary. So thanks, guys. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thanks for your word. Thank you that you're clear that if we walk in the Spirit, we will see fruit of the Spirit, and it will affect our relationships. It will affect our relationship with you, with other people, Lord Jesus. I pray in the name of Jesus that we would have the power of the Holy Spirit to live that life out and to process our feelings through that, Lord. I pray that you would go before Mary and uh, Tammy and that you would just be with Tammy as this is, a, this is a big thing for her in her grief journey, and I know, Lord Jesus, that you hold Maddie and that she's super proud too. So, God, I, we just give you this night and we give you the next few minutes. In your name we pray. Amen.
0: Thank you so much, Paula. That was awesome. So here we are. Uh, this is Tammy Brenton. A lot of you know her. A lot of you don't know her. We thank you so much for coming tonight. Um, it's It's been a long three years, I'm sure. Um, we've talked a lot, especially, you know, the last couple days about how you're feeling right now and, and the work that you've done. You've done a lot of work. And so, just to start off tonight, Tammy, if you don't mind just kind of giving us a little background about yourself, you know, who you are, what you do, stuff like that.
2: Okay. Um, I am a mom and a wife um, and a grandmother, too. And um, so, as Paula mentioned, Maddie and a lot of you probably know her story, um, I also have a son, Seth. He's 23, lives in Westlake. He's amazing as well. Maddie left us with two beautiful um, grandchildren. Addie is now nine, and Brenton is seven, and they live in New York with their dad. And we get to visit them a lot, and that helps. Um, I recently resigned from my job to make space... um, for what I feel like is my new, um, calling and passion, walking shoulder to shoulder with people that are, um, grieving and hurting. And I'm not sure what all that's going to look like yet, but I'm just taking those first steps. Mm-hmm. So.
0: Yeah. Well, you have an awful lot of reason to be passionate about emotions. Um, Paula and you and I were talking about that yesterday and, uh, I understand that you have done a lot of hard work over these last couple of years. Do you want to speak to that a little bit, like, you know, where this journey of grief has taken you and some of the things that you've learned over these last couple of years?
2: Yeah, so the really the hard work's probably been this last year, maybe year and a half, because in the beginning, um, you know, when Maddie died, it was like a a landmine blew up, and um, we were kind of all walking around dismembered and trying to help each other in grief, trying to walk with Maddie's young children and um, Seth and and Matt and just trying to hold ourselves together. And it didn't look like it on the outside, and many people told us how strong we were and what an inspiration, but really we were just a mess on the inside. And so... um, time doesn't heal but it does keep moving and at some point you realize you are still alive and um, I knew that um, the best way to honor Maddie and myself um, my path was to find meaning here in this life still and but here I was with this grief and all of these emotions that felt like fear And so I kind of lived that way for a while. I was like, well, I'm afraid to go to the grocery store. I'm afraid to go on a walk by myself. I'm afraid to be in a large group of people. And I just kept saying that. And um, I read this quote by C.S. Lewis, and he said, no one ever told me that grief feels so much like fear. And it was just an aha moment for me. I was like, wait, I'm not afraid. I'm missing Maddie. And so I started, when I would feel that emotion, that feeling come up in me, I would say, I'm not afraid, I'm just missing Maddie. And that kind of opened that door to there's something underneath just the feeling, like what is, it may feel a certain way, but that's not the truth. So as I kept um, kind of being curious about those things and reading books, um, we, I will say, we got into um, counseling right away. Um, I That helped us tremendously, and I continued to work with my therapist on emotions and what I was feeling, and so I became more curious, and as I put more language to what I was feeling, um, it just, it started to help, and I became like, wow, like, I always, I would write on the bathroom mirror for Maddie that you are beautifully and wonderfully made, and, and that verse would come back to me that we are like, God did, he gave us so many emotions, yet studies say if we ask people, they'll come up with three, that we're either happy, mad, or sad, and that's and so much more than that. And so I, as I learned more about emotions, I also started to learn more about myself. And so that's kind of how it started. and, and yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. So I'm thinking um, as we're talking, you know, just kind of maybe even back up because, you know, that was like the moment that your life changed forever when Maddie left this earth. But so would you say that before that time, do, would you say that you were emotionally healthy or what would, how would you describe yourself before that time?
2: Oh, not even close. And I wouldn't say I'm emotionally healthy now. I'm like, you know, there's a couch to 5K program. I don't know. It's like couch to 100-mile race program that I'm probably on. Um, but I, it's because we're discovering um, ourselves and and how we're created. Um, so, no, I wasn't. I was a people pleaser. Um, so I made sure my emotions am- matched what other people, what I felt like they needed me to feel. Um, even while Maddie was sick I really stuffed a lot of emotions and so I only wanted to feel or talk about what were the strong and brave emotions is what I thought Um, so you know there were times that Maddie wanted to talk about the hard ones like like mom what if what if I don't make it, and I was like, we don't talk that way, like, we're fighting this, and, and that is one of my regrets, that I didn't have space, and I didn't have space for that for Maddie, because I didn't make space for that for myself.
0: Sure, yeah, and that kind of leads me to something that we were talking about, and um, it was hope, like, you didn't want to let go of that hope, because if you did, then you had to let go of Mm -hmm. Maddie, right? And you were kind of fighting for both of you because she was physically getting weaker and weaker and not able to, you know, fester up that hope for herself. But you had it for both of you and for your family, I would say. You know, because you're very strong, appear to be very strong woman that I have learned to know. And we talked a little bit about hope. Can you speak to that? I thought that was, like, profound... Um, What we were talking about the other day, that the hope, um, because if you don't have hope, right, um, it's so, you feel so lost, right? But your hope, it wasn't gone, right? It was just kind of sequestered, right, during that time.
2: Yeah. When... um when Maddie died, I felt like I lost hope, and hope had been like my friend. Hope is what got us out of the out of bed when we knew we were going to face another hard day, and and hope um, was what Maddie had when she had to go through so many painful um situations and hope is what kept us up even when we had another um holiday or birthday at the hospital we'd be like but next year is going to be better and Mm -hmm. it's going to be different because we had this hope and so when Maddie died I thought that hope did too and I felt like Not only did I lose my daughter, but I lost this friend, this companion that I had had. And actually, it was when we were talking, Marion, you said it, like being shattered and and how it's like putting it all back together. And so it wasn't that hope was gone. It was still there. I just hadn't found the space for it in my life yet. And um, I'm still working on that. And hope looks much different to me now than it um, did back then, um, but it's, it's mm-hmm. still there. Yeah,
0: because we kind of talked a little bit about when, when that moment hit and she was gone. Um, you know, there was like an emotional explosion and um, all these different pieces of all these different emotions just exploded and, you know, hope is a very significant one to get you back in a road to begin to move forward at all that piece was over there and it took you a while to find it but you did find it um we talked about this too about um like how do you this is this is the journey that you're on now how are you learning to balance your emotions now and not get on those roller coasters of other people's emotions because that's easy to do right to Uh, your husband, and you, you, because, you know, your heart hurts for him or your son Seth or Maddie's little ones, you know, how do you stabilize your own emotions right now? This is what you're learning, right?
2: Yes, and, I mean, emotions are like that. We all have them, so sometimes they, you know, they flow so good together, and it's like a wonderful conversation and meaningful conversation with a friend, and sometimes they bump into each other a little bit, and sometimes... They can kind of sucker punch me or I can snowplow my own emotions over other people. I would say that that balance is coming. That's something I'm working on is um, having that boundaries, like knowing where I end and somebody else begins and being aware of that. So they're having this emotion. I don't have to go into that. I come to the edge of myself, and that's enough. And as I'm, you know, trusting my own journey, I also have to trust that they have their own journey and that the work, it's hard. It's a struggle. We don't get there um, easily, and so just trusting that. So it's just really setting the boundaries and knowing yourself.
0: Mm -hmm. That's so true because it's very hard to... Um, whether it's, you know, a family member or, or many children's to, to not take that on yourself, you know, but to try to help them, as Paula said, get underneath that and, and what is really at the root of, you know, how they're reacting, especially with the, the little ones. Oh, yeah, that's, that's the hard especially and, and Addie. Talk just a little oh, bit yeah. about that? Because, you know, yeah. it's hard, right? I mean, they were so little. They still are little. Mm-hmm.
2: They are. And Brenton, he is... Um, he can be an exploder, and um, but he is also such, so tenderhearted and so intuitive, and so nurturing that, and not trying to shut down the big emotions because sometimes I have to step back and say, why am I why am I uncomfortable? With this, like, is it me or is it him? And a lot of times, it's it's me. Um, Addie is she's more of a stuffer, and I mean, she rarely cries. And so, where Brenton shows it all out and we work through it, Addie, we kind of have to um, kind of prompt a little bit and, and Mm -hmm. dig. And then we see the emotions come and, and that's good. We know that's good. She needs to, um, let those come. So, and she's at that awkward, it's so hard being a girl. It really is. So so (laughs) she's, she's at an awkward stage of trying to fit in. Yeah, it would be. And so when you really don't fit in, um, and you just want to fit in, um, Mm -hmm. it's hard, but we're getting there. I'm, I'm learning to have more, yeah. i guess i would yeah. say.
0: i think i've, I've um, picked up on that from you mm. just one more emotion i'd like to touch on which is really the one we don't really like to talk about because it just feels bad you know but anger like uh, you know for your yourself or for those your family members around how what do you do with that, that people don't like to talk about that one
2: yeah, and um, yesterday when we talked, we had a diff- I had a different answer. I did tell them that, like, I kind of thought I knew everything I was going to say, and at 3.30 this afternoon, I went to the lake, and I ripped that up, and I started all over. And when I got to the anger, it hit me. Yeah. Like, why am I uncomfortable with anger? And And I had prayed. I'm like, God, I'm representing you. I'm representing Maddie, and I'm representing my own journey. So it just you know, I felt like he just spoke to me, you don't like anger and you want to stuff that because you don't value yourself. You don't value yourself enough to say you wronged me or that hurt. And it just kind of blew me away that, but it was such truth. And so now I'm excited to go (laughs) toward that truth. But, um, I will tell you what I am comfortable with that i got to work on is I'm very comfortable with putting on bitterness. So if somebody hurts me, I'm not going to say anything to you, but I'm going to, sure. like, let it take root, and I'm going to be bitter about it. Yeah. Um, oh. Or resentment, yeah. that's much more comfortable Easier. to me. Yeah. yeah, so I don't explode, but I definitely stuff, and and that's where it comes. So yeah. um, I'm working on anger, um, mostly in my prayer life and letting God know when I'm angry and when I'm hurt
0: because you know like Paula said emotions aren't bad you know the Bible says you know to be angry but don't sin Mm -hmm. you know and that's not easy and you're exactly in the place where you need to be because that's between you and the Lord in prayer that's how you're going to get through you know the anger and I I work I think we all work on anger you know it's not it's not a comfortable female emotion right that's more for the guys, right? But but we get angry, right? And it's it's not it's not pretty. <laughs> so in this last part of this interview, I just you know want to ask you that um, with all of these things that you've been through, many more things than you've ever could have thought that you would be through. I have a feeling that there are some women out there tonight that might be even at the beginning of the kind of journey that you've just walked through. And you know what that feels like in the beginning. You know that what that feels like a little bit farther down the road. How could you speak to that? Like, to, to, is there a word, um, something that you can leave this conversation and give hope, that piece that they're probably missing? And you understand that better than any of us, you know? How do, they, how do they find that again?
2: Well, grief, grief has been, uh, grief is exhausting. Grief is painful. But I have learned when I f- allow myself to feel that deep, deep pain that I also can feel deep joy and gratitude in a different way and it's much more vivid than before. In fact, um, while it, the biggest thing I've learned is that emotions can exist in tandem, so I can feel grief and love. I can feel um, gratitude and sad at the same time. I can feel joyful um, and despair. I can... Um, regret and a strong sense of purpose and so it's not one or the other and I think society tries to put us in, like you can only feel this but we can feel all of it and that is what grief has taught me that as I let those emotions come and as I learn what is underneath and usually there's some something in my heart that needs healing and understanding that um, I also feel like a deep sense of love and um, compassion for others. And so when I have room for my own emotions, I have room for other people's emotions and space for them. And and it's just this deep sense of community. And, I mean, I believe that's what our creators always wanted. Yeah. But you got to do your own work to have that space for others. Yeah,
0: that is so wise. You said that yesterday, and, and I thought about it, and just to hear you say it again, so true. And we don't think like that. You're right, we think it's got to be one way or the other, but that's not true. And um, I just want to thank you for the courage of coming up here tonight. That was a really big deal. And um, honoring Maddie. You know, I personally loved Maddie too. She was, she was just amazing and just brought so much joy. Um,
2: she in still inspires time. me. I still watch that video of her and Eric yes. because anybody that knew Maddie knew that she had a strong, strong faith. Yeah. So I watch that over and over when I have doubts.
0: Yeah. yeah. You made her proud tonight by coming up here. Um, so thank you for doing that very courageous time. So I'm going to end in prayer, and um, Tammy will be up here. If you want to come and, you know, just thank her or ask her a question, she would be open to that. So, Lord, I thank you so much for just this opportunity to hear the wisdom that, um, (laughs) that Tammy just ripped up in a piece of paper today and just put that aside and listen to you. And that's what she brought for us tonight so that we could hear you coming through her so that we could learn Um, we all at some point have or will experience deep grief. And it's not something that any of us want to deal with, but it is part of life. And so I thank you for the courage that she had to come up here and just give us um, some really golden nuggets to hold on to and go home and think about. And I just pray that you would continue to bless her on her journey. I love, Lord, that she wants to take this curse and turn it into a blessing. She wants to help other people on their um, recovery in this grief process. So I just ask that you give her the strength and the wisdom and the courage to continue on the path that you've put her on. We praise you and thank you and bring you all the glory for tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.